Welcome to Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey guys, it's Cameron McCarg, and we're back for another episode of Triumph and Disaster, and this week is huge for me. It's Tony Kay is the guest on the show this week, who is the who is the director of American History X, among others, and is the most awarded commercial director of all time, literally, uh, and a huge music video director um, back in the day. He actually directed my favorite music video of all time, which is the Johnny Cash, God's Gonna Cut You Down video. I'll have it all up on the blog. It's triumphanddisasterblog.com. So anyway, we, we had this talk in the back alley of a bar off of Hollywood Boulevard called Pig and Whistle uh, after he did a musical set there. And uh, he is actually a perfect guest for the show because he is obviously primarily uh, a filmmaker, but He's sort of an all-around renaissance artist. This guy, I mean, he's a filmmaker, he's a photographer, he's a painter, a writer. Um, he does it all. He does it all. I think I might be even missing something. He does basically everything. And we talk, there's so much to talk about, but we got cut off a little bit short after about 40 minutes or so, a little less than 40 minutes, his driver showed up and he had to take off. And uh, he wanted to do a part two, so I'm really hoping to do a, a part two episode to this. And I dropped kind of a funny bomb on, I, you know, this is sort of a spoiler, I guess. But, you know, when I first got here, I, I was uh, an actor. I was doing a lot of theater and stuff in Seattle. I moved down here to try to get things rolling in, in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I'd been here maybe like a month. And I got a job as an extra, which, you know, it was just a job. But, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. And it was on some movie called American History X. No idea what that was. I knew the the actors that were in it. And I thought that was kind of exciting. But... You know, I didn't really know what it was. And I showed up there and after not long, maybe that first day, I think I was sort of chosen to be like uh, Edward Furlong's high school buddy, basically. So, you know, it was like a glorified extra job, but uh, I was in the movie, you know, I was, I was with him constantly in all, in all these scenes and you know, close ups, and, you know, it was, it was a big deal to me, you know, it was pretty cool. And, and the way that uh, Tony K worked was, uh, and we talked about it a little bit, was really fascinating to me. He was, um, he was a really sort of organic director. He really kind of went with a flow and was really capturing life as it is. You know, it was very, um, it was fascinating. He, um, he talks a little bit about Marlon Brando. I wish we could have talked more about it, but um, it's that sort of way of working, but directing instead of acting, which, you know, if you listen, you'll, you'll kind of get an idea what I'm talking about. By the way, he is the only guy who Marlon Brando in his later years actually did um, acting classes in his house in Mulholland Drive for guys like him and like Leonardo DiCaprio and others, these small little classes that were actually recorded by Tony Kay. Uh, and he has some interviews and, and classes and they're, they're not out anywhere. They're kind of secret. I'm not sure we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I don't know if they ever will be released or not, but I find that fascinating and uh, so much about this is fascinating. There's just so many things to talk about, and I really hope we can get a, a part two. But uh, here's part one of Triumph and Disaster with Tony K. I hope you guys enjoy. Because yeah. this is super casual. We're actually recording right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, Tony K. We're in, like, basically in a movie right now. And now hard, the really. end is near. And as I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. Sorry, go on. No, that's 
this fight, we actually, just so everybody knows, Tony was actually just singing, playing a guitar and singing one of the many, many things that he did. Uh, actually, you know what, I, speaking of that, that's, so you're a perfect guy for this. You're, you're a perfect guy. You do. There might be some people that aren't aware of who you are. Do you want to, do you want to just talk about, about the... What, what it is I do. Yeah, well, I, somebody asked me that question yesterday because I was sitting in this tiny little desk in the back of a massive space called Jaunt, which is a virtual reality um, company that I've just been working for. And there was a director came in with a, an EP, an executive producer, and uh, she wanted me to, told me anyway, she wanted me to tell the director, younger director, that there were some compositors at Jaunt that were very good at doing visual effects. And uh, she came to me with this bloke, I thought I was just gonna talk about them, and then she said, can you explain to this chap who you, what, what you are, who you are? Do you, do you know who this bloke, the director says, no, I, I, I don't know who you are, this younger bloke. And uh, so I, just, I thought, the fuck is this all about? I'm sitting at this little desk, in the, lost in this big room with my bag, because, you know, these days you travel around, um, I don't have a car, I don't drive, and I don't have drivers. I used to have drivers in a car, but now it's u the Uber world, which is mu much, much better, I have to say. Anyway, so I explained to this guy that I am the, um, this is going to sound terribly immodest and arrogant of me, and, um, but any, yeah, we are right in the middle of Hollywood. Anyway, so... Anyway, my name is Tony Kay. It was it was Anthony Kay. When I went to school, I was Anthony Kay. And uh, one day I was in a. Uh, I grew up in London. Yeah, I went one day. I was in a, in in my school, and uh, called An Anthony Kay with a th. And um, people in the background are not clapping for me. And um, there anyway. It was a French lesson, and uh, the the teacher threw. Uh, in those days, there were there were no there were no smart boards. I wish people would do their own material originally. Anyway, there there was a no such thing as smart boards, and um, the the teacher threw a, a blackboard eraser at me, and it exploded on my desk in a massive cloud of chalk. I coughed and spluttered, and choked nearly. And he screamed at me and he said, Kay, unless you make a living staring at people, you are going to be a complete failure in your, in, in your life. I was, about, I was about 12, about 12 when that happened. What? Is it what? Yeah, that was like, you know, 10, 10 years ago. No. Um, yeah, I don't know what grade it is because it's different in England. But anyway, but I've proven him wrong or right, or I've proven him right because or maybe the penny dropped at that moment. Because that's what I do for a living. I, I stare at people for a living. I look through a camera of various sorts and I stare at people. This is exactly what he told me I would end up doing. Or he told me that that's what I had to do, otherwise I would fail. So I stare at people for a living and I tell them to say it again or say it a bit quicker or not so not say it slower. Anyway, whatever the fuck I tell them. So I'm a director and I started my career in directing, making TV commercials, and I'm the most awarded British television commercials director of all time. Much more, you know, more awards than Ridley Scott and Tony Scott and Alan Parker and Adrian Lyon and all these people put together, actually. And I'm a six-time 
Grammy-nominated music video director with one win for a Johnny Cash video. And I have made three movies. One was a documentary called Lake of Fire, which is my best work of all. And that was cited by New York Time Out about two months ago as the 20th best documentary film of all time. And the two other movies I've made were American History X, which is also highly regarded. I got into a bit of a fight when I made that and I've been in Hollywood jail and Madison Avenue jail and Germany jail and, and, and London Soho jail and all the other advertising communities all over the world that have really prevented me from doing a great deal of work. Although now I'm out of jail and I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. I just completed a documentary series for Paul McCartney, Virtual Reality, and um, the advertisement is coming back. I got a movie on the go with um, Evan Ross, Terence Howard, Peter Dinklage, Socko, and um, and every, everything is. And I got a couple of TV series that are about to happen. So things are really, things are really, yeah, everything. Everything is. And I'm an amateur. I'm a. Uh, an amateur painter and there's a number of people that want to do shows with my paintings now so hey things are you know I mean I've never really not been busy because I've always been busy but mostly in my own imagination except this is real I, I really know this is not just my imagination now it's, it's quite real and things are going good and hey Cameron's here doing an interview with me on the steps of the um, the Staples Centre the Staples no we're at the Sta I just played the Staples Centre um, to a crowd of several thousands unemployed people. No, but anyway. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that that's that's where we are. Yeah, and I I've just done a show at the Pig and Whistle, which is a wonderful little bar. In in all seriousness, some very talented young singers songwriters on the show, which I have. Um, I have uh, gate gate crashed. And um, and I just played three of my songs and told a story about Muhammad Ali. So a minute's silence here, or maybe not, as the case may be. But um, yeah, Muhammad Ali died today. It's June the June the fourth, right? When we were kings, the film. Amazing, amazing. One of my favourite movies. I would say that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazing, totally amazing film. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So just the whole thing. I've never seen a story about facing fear and courage quite as strong as that, and it was real. It was real. That was pretty fucking amazing. When you met him, I met Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I met him. I was a you know lifelong fan and devotee, and he basically outside of the Beatles, he's been you know my. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. And and that little story that I told a story just before, basically I shot Mohammed in a, a commercial for an insurance company back in 2000. And uh, I went to his house in Chicago. I was talking to him the day before and I was going through a bit of a fitness craze at the time. And I asked him if I could borrow his gym before the shoot. And he said, sure. And he said, what time do you want to get here? So I said, 4 a.m. And he looked at me and he said, okay. And he gave me the keys to the gym and the code number to get in through the gate. And um, I left the hotel in Chicago at 3 a.m. that morning, got to his house just before 4, punched the code in, got through the gate. And I was about to put the keys in and open his, the, gym, the door to his gym. And in his house, which is just adjacent, the curtains just pulled back a bit and out peeked this face of Muhammad Ali. And then the curtains closed and that was that. And 
you know, I, it was just incredible to me that he had got, he woke up, he'd gotten up, you know, in his challenged, challenged life at that point, he'd gotten up at 4 a.m. in the morning to see if I really did get there, if I was a man of my word, I guess, to see if I got there, see if I was the real deal, yeah. And it was just incredible to me. That, that you know, shows you what an uh, unbelievable um, discipline. discipline, yeah. Astonishing. Amazing, right? It's amazing. And he didn't mention it when he came into this. Never, never said a word about it. It makes it even better. I didn't say anything either. Yeah, so. yeah we just did, did our work and that was that. I don't think it meant it. I don't. I just think it. I don't know. Maybe he was terrific in the morning. It wasn't. Yeah. It was just. It was for himself. It was. He was a curious, a very curious man, which is what, you know, I guess to to do to do well. You the more you know, you have to be curious about life. You know, to want to pull back the curtains on life, you've got to be curious. You know, I had um, a number of years of friendship with Marlon Brando, actually. Oh, also an incredibly curious and a genius of a man, you know, I went to visit three or four times a week and um, sat there and talked. And on one occasion I took two video cameras with and we shot each other in the conversation. And actually now I'm doing this film, a docudrama called uh, Humpty Dumpty that uh, Viceland are producing and uh, Spike Jones is um, an executive producer of. And it's basically all about my my fight over the the edit of American History X and the years that followed that, you know. I did, yeah. I just at the time I was very annoyed and I was thinking they asked me if I told them I wanted to take my name off the film and they said um, they called they called my bluff. Thank God I did. They wouldn't let me. But um, and I said and I just tried to think of the most stupid name I could think of um, to give them and Humpty Dumpty was what came to mind. You know. I, I, you know, expressing oneself is what, is what, you know, is if you, you know, that's what you do, isn't it? If you're a aspiring artist or you're trying to be a, something in the arts, you have to express yourself. So I've always felt that stupidly at times, to be honest, and for me, the boundary of real life and, you know, pretend and the camera's on and you've got to be professional has blurred a lot and that, that's been my problem a great deal because true professional like, like somebody like McCartney who I've just worked with a real true professional you know when he walks out the door in the morning he's Paul McCartney and he's on and nothing nothing gets in the way he's, he's on and he's Paul McCartney the, the stage presence and you won't you won't break you won't break through that you know and whereas I, I have like I have been very flawed and I have Tony Kay, I mean, I don't even consider myself in the same category, but just in my own journey, you know, when Tony Kay's walked out the door, the Tony Kay, the, the director, storyteller, has often caved in and become, you know, in an emotionally crippled way, Tony Kay, the person, you know, which is like, which you can't really do that. I mean, you, you, I mean, although I say you can't really do that, in my line of work or the way that I work with a camera and a microphone is I try to pierce the the veneer of an actor, uh, of an actress, and I try and get the emotionality of who they are onto the, onto the screen. So, you know, 
uh, embracing my own emotions in a way were tremendously important to me because I had to learn from them so I could put myself in the in the person in front of the camera's position you know Well, sorry, what's that? Uh, level of self-knowledge, self-awareness. Like someone like Marlon Brando. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'd love to talk about that for, for a second. Yeah, why don't we just talk the rest of the time about him? Okay. I mean, you could watch him if you watch carefully, and uh, he lets life really Yeah, he he had a well. He had Brando had the same problem. <laughs> Again, I don't want to include myself in the same sentence as Marlon Brando, but in terms of achievement, but. Yeah, I should have said that. I, yeah, I, was, I was just saying that. I felt that... Um, I was saying that Mar Marlon had that problem that he couldn't turn off. He was, he was the, the, the guy, you know, 24-7. And um, I just worked with Charlotte Booth, actually, briefly. We were going to do something. And uh, he, he's the same way. And he actually told me a story that is, um, you know, was illustr very illustrative of that, that... Um, Shire worked with Steven Spielberg for some years. He was Spielberg's guy, you know. Yeah, well, they did uh, Raiders together, I think. They did Raiders of the Lost Ark. They did one... Shire the Booth. Yeah, Shire the Booth. And, um, and Steven told Shire, look, you know, you've you got to be like Tom Cruise, you know. When you walk out of your house in the morning, you got the face. You are the guy. Don't be professional at all times where Shia was the same as Brando in that sense um, you know unlike Tom Cruise unlike Paul McCartney he couldn't he can't he has trouble he's the guy he's a genuine person Shia Booth, and that that's the guy and he's not gonna you know and but he I, I, I hope to God that he can get the opportunity to really showcase his talents you know his real talents you know well I don't necessarily know no I don't think I don't think it I don't think there's a right or a wrong way in doing it because I think it's like in sports you know sports science when you get an athlete as more as athletes get better and better faster and faster more 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 skill that there, there is a sort of um there's no, there's no, there's less and less emotional intelligence in that. There's a will to win, but there's also a very severe boundary of, of once you're in the zone, just stay in the zone, you know, and, and keep within that. And I think that's a, that's a case. You know, a lot of actors have a lot of trouble coming back to who they are after the role. It's a very, 
it's a difficult, sometimes a difficult path, you know. Anyway, but I mean, yeah, it's an interesting topic, I think. With Marlon, um, I don't know really. I mean, I, I always wanted to work with him, being this kind of lowly, sort of British commercials director coming to coming to Hollywood, the big wide Hollywood. In those days, it's not so much like that anymore. But coming coming to Hollywood, you know, the movie industry, expressing yourself. And to me, Brando was the guy. Of course, Brando, Hollywood had way turned its back on him because he was a bohemian, you know, the first bohemian, you know, he didn't give a shit, you know, he didn't give a shit. And, uh, you know, going, turning up on the set of Apocalypse Now, not knowing his lines with four native women from wherever they were from. Um, and the, yeah, and he, you know, Francis Ford Coppola not knowing what to do. What do I do? Shut down the shoot or just let him fucking riff the whole thing? Okay, let's riff it. Was his only choice. And to a certain extent, it worked. But to a certain extent, it didn't work because had Marlon have learned his lines and they covered those lines and they did the riffing as well, which they could have done, they would have had it, would have been a much more, I think, thorough. But I mean, hey, the fuck, it's Apocalypse Now. It was an amazing movie. And hey, what, what, what more the fuck do you want? So I'm talking shit, you know, I'm talking shit. I understand your point. Yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, please God, I get the opportunity to have a, you know, a, a, another 20 years working, you know. Um, I'm 63 now. Um, is that I'm really, you know, I feel okay and I, I'm in a good place and, I, you know, I'm, I'm, things are going well and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm in a good place. I, I understand my ego. I've been studying the Kabbalah for, you know, for about 10 years now. And I shouldn't, you know, I say that word because some people, they recoil when, when they hear it. But it's really been an incredible benefit to me and taught me a lot about, you know, my own demons and what, what, what gets in the way of my, what I can do and what I can say and what I can give. I mean, my, my uh, always, I mean, my, my inner, the good side of my inner self has always said, look, you know, you've been given this gift and a blessing to be born and now you're saying this stuff and you're whatever it is you're saying you know you can express yourself within it and give something give as much back to give as much back to to, to mankind as you can so that people can learn from that and so that so i think you know from here on in i hope to do some really good work you know well i, I don't think i really i don't think i have you know, in movies, I can offer a lot more. Television now is an amazing outlet. I mean, I was just saying about Hollywood being Hollywood. Hollywood is no longer Hollywood anymore. Hollywood is just a place on the map. You know, America is America and it's fantastic. And I wouldn't choose to live anywhere else. But with the advent of the internet and Facebook and what, I mean, that came from America. Mark Zuckerberg is, is an American. So the tech, and Steve Jobs was an American. So it's all come from America. But the, what they've done is they've made the world a global village now. And, um, you know, so people can, perf you know, you get your 
YouTube channel and you can be anywhere. You can be in India at the top of a mountain. It doesn't really matter. The one thing actually that in, in Humpty Dumpty, this film I'm doing with Viceland, with Spike and everything, is that after American History X, when I was just working with um, the mini DV, you know, digital videotape with a little mini DV camera, um, a Sony mini DV camera, um, I, I used to talk to the camera and flip the monitor around so I could frame myself. And, and that was in two, 2000, so that was before the selfie. So I, I feel in a way that I was kind of like a little bit ahead of the curve there, you know. And so the, the movie will be, will have this kind of, um, you know, well, what we're going to do is that we're going to be bouncing back from now to then, from now to then. So it's modern, ancient, modern, ancient, modern, ancient. So it's going to be an interesting, Humpty Dumpty in itself is going to be an interesting educationist piece for storytellers and for young young directors starting out their careers and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be good, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh -oh. oh my god in in the school part part of venice high what for venice who who sorry who's who's buddy crazy sorry about that Unbelievable. That's, that's scary. Wow. That's amazing. So you should be in Humpty Dumpty. Oh, you got to be in. You are. You are in it, Humpty Dumpty. You're in it now. So keep, keep me. Well, I, I know you're on Facebook now. So we can use some of this sound on Facebook and we can shoot some more. You're in it. You're in it now. You're in. You're, you're in it. You're in Humpty Dumpty. No, no, no! You can be in it. You can be in it. Time out, guys. I remember watching you work. I was fascinated because we're talking about Brando and how he works. The director, the director, the director, the director. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was doing what? The camera guy? What camera guy? I am the camera guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe you grabbed it. You grabbed it. I grabbed what? Okay, oh, okay. Remember you pointing at this guy? Yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. By the way, you look how you did that. You had a big beard. You had a big beard. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, not so recently. A few years ago. Yeah, yeah. You mean, you mean as a few, as I did a few months ago? You, I look the same. Yeah, I totally recognize. But I didn't. But anyway, my point is, something about that struck me. 
lucky. Because I was an actor and I was kind of trying to get out of the way to kind of the way that we did that, I thought was really good. So, I was sad, but I mean, I knew a little bit. I don't know the details about what happened with, you know, how we did that. That's what that made me probably want to have to do. But I was sad to see that work. Yeah, I mean, that was me. It was only my fault. That was only my, it was my choice. I had a lot of opportunities that presented themselves to me, actually, even after even my after what happened there. But I wasn't, I didn't really know. I, I never saw what was going on. It, it never occurred to me. I, I was expecting, um, you know, when I was to do a movie, a man would show up in a room with a flaming pie and with a flaming pie. You know what I mean? They, they, there you go. And it was, uh, I was wandering around waiting for someone to turn up with a flaming pyre at the night time, which actually was what American History X was. It was a man walked in with a flaming pyre. And, and they said, you know, will you do this? And I kept saying, I kept going in for discussions about it. And, and I actually, I didn't want to do it, you know, for a, a long time, no. And um, in the end, I decided that I would do it. And, uh, but it, that's how it happened. And I just thought everything was like that. Somebody comes in, they say, there's the pie, sign there, there's $12 million, go off and make the movie, this bloke wants to be in it, everyone wants him to be in their movies, name's Edward Norton, and then I thought someone, you know, I, I really thought that that was how it happened, so I was waiting for the next one to happen like that, but it doesn't always happen like that, that's kind of like a studio film, so there was all these other opportunities that came to me after American History X that I didn't realize were even op opportunities. So I could have worked, but I didn't. It's not that I, I just, and also I turned a lot of stuff away at the time, I think, because I found with American History X, although it was a good movie, it, I found that, um, I found that I didn't have the skill, which I still don't actually, to a certain extent. I don't have the, almost the political skill to navigate through the sea, you know. Where, well, well, if somebody, kind of, kind of. I mean, although I'm better now, but it's like if someone parts the sea for me and I can walk through, all of my best work has been done like that. There's been people there that have got keep, kept everybody else out the way. Because, you know, in a process, in a filmmaking process, whatever it is, everybody wants to take, take over even the person on craft service, they, they, they want to take over. And they, they, you know, they chat and they talk and they do their little maneuvers. And sometimes the person on craft service does take over the film. Um, in fact, I believe that, which I, I won't say this, I believe one of the heads of one of the studios used to be on craft service. Which is the truth, it's the absolute truth. That's a fact, that's a fact. Yeah, but then, then again, there's a very interesting analogy that the food business is a really tremendous business to be in because the food business, there's certain criteria that are aligned with the food business that you can apply to anything. You can apply to anything. One of, the cleverest, one of my cleverest friends is a guy called Ray Rinkoff. Now, Ray Rinkoff owns a bakery in London called Rinkoff's, and uh, Rinkoff's 
bakery is it's over a hundred years old because his grandfather started it off in 19 I, I know this because I designed his logo for him about 30 years ago but well they they fucked it up they changed it a bit but anyway what, what the hell um, but anyway but Ray Ray is in the food business and he's doing tremendously well right now and um, whenever I talk to him I don't talk to him that much but when I talk to him and I ask him a question about something his advice is very on the money do you know what I'm saying it's very it's very 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 sharp and so somebody in craft service I can imagine they could end up running a studio it's it's like being being there it's like the Jersey it's like Jersey Kaczynski's be, being there with Peter Sellers you know you know that book it's basically this chap who was a gardener you know, who has never seen anything other than the television in the garden, and he ends up the president of the United States of America, you know. I mean, hey, <laughs> you almost got the guy now, right? <laughs> He's almost there. Well, what do you think of that? I don't know anything about politics. I, I, I don't think any, I don't understand politics at all. I really don't. I thought George, I thought George Bush would be, was going to be a good president? George Bush. No, I thought he was... I thought he looked the, he looked the part to me, and and um, Harold Harold Macmillan in England and Mar Margaret Thatcher. So those people to me really looked the part. George Bush, Harold Macmillan, and Margaret Thatcher. But what what do you think about this this coup? Yeah, because it's amazing, isn't it? What's going on? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's always it's a deep art in this country. 
Yeah, we're going. No, I, I got to go down for a minute. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, you like this Trump. Yeah. I, well, I, my perspective, but no, I tell you right, right now, my, my, my theories and my reasons and my analogies on this matter are invalid. I can talk to you about movies and what I think a movie should be like or structure of a movie or any form of motion picture and sound storytelling. I do believe I have a, I have a handle on that. Politics, I have no handle on at all. But all I can say is, purely as a voyeur, no, I'm not. I'd like to be, though. I'd, I love American. I would love to be an American citizen. Um, as a voyeur and as a watcher, I would love to see what happens. He is the most interesting candidate to me. I'd love to see what... I'd just like to see how he conducts himself as the president of the United States of America. Yeah, yeah. Purely as a... a but that, that, is not, that is not the reason, you know... So, but you know, maybe Hillary might be the best because of her, the people around her, and and Clinton, and Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton, who, who I didn't, I at the time I think I thought Ross Perot was more interesting, and but Clinton, Clinton, I think Clinton did an amazing job, and Gore could so easily have just kept it going had he embraced Clinton, but I think he sort of walked away from him, wanting to be his own guy, and which cost him. The, or what? Yeah. You mean that he was cheated out of it? I mean, because of the because because of the recounts. Yeah. 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 I don't know who I'd vote for. Oh, I'd vote all right, yeah. But I don't know who I'd vote for. That would become a wholly different... Um, that would become a wholly different... Um, I never forget just my brother, younger brother, who's sadly not here anymore, but my, I remember my brother voted when he was about 13 years old. He somehow got into the ballot box and voted, and then he went to the, he went to the local newspaper and told them he'd voted. And there was a whole up, up, uproar where, where I lived. It was quite amazing. I, you know... Oh, in that case, this is oh, definitely wait, the way. Can I help you? <laughs> Open light. It's on when 
Oh, okay. Can I say hi? Uh, we heard you sing the other night. You're you amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Cool. It. Thank you very much. Sorry. She, she's embarrassed about you, right? Your daughter. Yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What? What was that? I wouldn't say I do it well, I do it, but I do it. Well, you can't, yeah, I mean, nobody pigeon, like, uh, you know, nobody, you, nobody, nobody, only use yourself, pigeonhole yourself. And, 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 um, I went to art school. I went to art school, yeah. I mean, it was always my... Uh, painting was the first thing I wanted to do. Yeah, and... Um, well, I wanted to be a soccer player. That was the first thing I wanted to do. But that... I wanted to be a soccer player. Maybe. I soon... That didn't take me long to find... To realise that I maybe was not going to... That was not going to fly. But... Um, I try not to because I get too sucked up in it. And I get carried away and then I start... I have a, I have a team I start following and I, I just forget about other things. Yeah, so I, I try not to go there. Yeah, we're done. Let's go. We're done. We'll, we'll talk again. I'll talk again with you. It was amazing. And, and Humpty Dumpty, you're in. Consider yourself in. Let's definitely do it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. Thanks, man. So that was Tony K, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, it would seriously be helpful. I say this every week, but it would be really helpful if you can just go to uh, Triumphant Disaster on iTunes and just leave even just like a one-line rating and review because Apple actually, they go by comments to sort of promote shows there and it will just help us get bigger and better and keep going. I loved this episode and I'm really uh, looking forward to doing a part two to this. So subscribe, share, Thanks for listening to Triumph and Disaster. We'll see you next time.